Behind the Mask Hockey Shops present College Hockey Southwest Live for February 7, 2021. Tonight's scheduled guest is U.S. National Development Team U18 coach Dan Muse. Behind the Mask College Hockey Southwest Live is brought to you by Verizon Wireless. Experience Verizon's 5G and 5G Ultra Band for business. Verizon Wireless 5G built right. By Bell Ford. See our award-winning dealership at 2401 West Bell Road, Phoenix, or go to bellford.com. The NCHC and nchc.tv. Subscribe to nchc.tv and watch the best in college hockey all season long. Behind the Mask Hockey Shops. Visit any of our three Valley locations or go to behindthemask.com and gear up for the season on ice or in line. Cold Beers and Cheeseburgers, 12 Valley locations, two in California, your home for sports, craft beer, and made-to-order burgers. Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila, the best margaritas and more. Go to MexicanMoonshine.com to see how to get your bottle today. UNLV Hockey, ACHA Division I Hockey under the bright lights of Las Vegas. Jesse Ray's Barbecue, stop in and pick up any of our award-winning sauces on your way home at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard in Las Vegas. Caesars Entertainment Resorts. Anywhere you want to go, you can bet there's a Caesars Resort in the center of the action. Burrito Express, the East Valley's home of the always available breakfast burrito. Go to burritoexpress.com for the location near you. And by College Bar and Grill at 740 South Mill Avenue in Tempe. ASU alumni owned and operated. College Hockey Southwest Live, presented by Behind the Mask, is a part of the Ice Time Hockey SW.com network. Here are your hosts, Scott Strandy and Paul Ornstein. All right, welcome in hockey fans. College hockey fans, anyone that you may be listening to us live on the Podbean app. We are recording again a little early today for a very special reason. We've got a, a very special guest joining us today. So without further ado, this is Scott Strandy. Joining you from beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada today, my co-host as always, Paul Hornstein, joining me on beautiful Long Island, New York. And it is our pleasure to welcome in the uh, head coach of the uh, U.S. under-18 team, the U.S. National Development Team program, uh, Dan Muse is with us. Dan, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on, guys. It's a a real pleasure for us to have you on because I was able to watch you guys play uh, the Arizona State Sun Devils uh, in person. So I'm guessing you're back in Michigan now? We are back, yeah. It's a little bit different weather back here in Michigan <laughs> than it was in Arizona. Uh, you know, it took a little bit to here. We got off the plane. Uh, some of the guys, I think, had left their jackets there at home. And a uh, quick reminder why we need uh, the jackets and our hats. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. I hear you, Coach. Well, Paul, Paul's out on Long Island, as I said, so uh, he's uh, he's used to that. I'm here where it's a balmy, oh, 66 no, degrees. No, in. Coach, don't <laughs> let him lie to you like that. I'll never get used to it. I don't care how long you are. Well, anyway, I'm in beautiful Las Vegas where the sun is shining at 68 degrees on big Super Bowl Sunday, but... Coach, uh, as I told you off the air, uh, I, I watched both games and I've seen a lot of hockey in my 50 plus years of, uh, of covering it and growing up in northern Minnesota and doing all of that stuff. So uh, I was so impressed with your team, both on and off the ice. Tell us a little bit about how it all starts and how it all works at, uh, at the uh, U.S. National uh, Program. Uh, well, well, thank you for that, first of all. Uh, uh, we, we got a good group here and uh, 
you know, I thought the guys, I thought they worked hard there uh, against a really good opponent there with ASU. Um, you know, this is a really unique place, and I think it's a really special place. And that, you know, it's a, it's a two-year uh, program, so I'm coaching the under-18 team this year, and, uh, and that rotates uh, every year. So next year, I'll, myself and, and my staff will be working with the under-17 team, and uh, Adam Nightingale, uh, who is currently the head coach of the under-17 team, he'll be coaching, bringing his group up to coaching the 18 team uh, so it's i don't think there's another place or setup that's like this you got two teams under one building uh you know, two different birth years these guys will come in here they, they get identified um you know by our uh, player personnel staff um which is led by kevin Ryder and uh and rod bracewell and they they you know they stay they're constantly watching hockey uh, they're scouring the country and, and watching uh prospects and then uh, you know in, in a normal year uh, there's I think a little bit more probably consistency to the process. Obviously, we're far from normal still right now, but uh, you know there'll be there's an evaluation process and, and, and there's a camp, and uh, and then a team is selected, and then uh, you know they'll bring in those players, uh, typically being uh, you know 13 forwards and eight defensemen and two goalies, and they come in for their 17 year, and uh, you know they'll play a schedule which is. Mostly going to a lot of the uh, USHL games, uh, at least eventually, usually will start off with uh, maybe it's you're playing major programs or prep teams or, uh, you know, more North American League teams, and then they'll play a, uh, uh, you know, a USHL schedule. That USHL schedule, while we're uh, a member in that league, it's a split schedule. And so they have that along with uh, typically a normal year, you'll have three international tournaments. And then uh, there, there's a huge emphasis in both years, not just on the on-ice development, but also the off-ice development. Um, and, and I think you see a lot of growth there in that 17-year, especially in terms of what they're exposed to, um, you know, in the weight room. Um, you know, Brian Galvin, who's here, he runs our sports science, uh, you know, is kind of heading all of that. And they, do, him and his staff do an incredible job here in terms of just the way these guys are able to develop off the ice and develop as athletes. And then in their second year, their 18 year, you have the, uh, you know, three international tournaments, which will, uh, the last one being U18 Worlds. And in addition to that, now you'll have a mix of uh, that U of those USHL games, but you also have uh, a college schedule as well, uh, which will be, uh, you know, usually more than we're playing this year. It'll be almost all Division One games. You'll have some Division Three games in there uh, on a normal year as well. Uh, this year, us, you know, coaching and uh, living through a uh, and the players <laughs> playing through a, uh, a worldwide pandemic is obviously uh, bait for uh, a lot of different schedules, a lot of different versions of schedules, and uh, we've had to, you know, I guess be a little bit creative too in terms of you know how we're getting some of those games. Uh, you know, this year we just played our um, after this weekend that was our fifth uh, NCAA Division One game, which going back to the beginning of the year, I wasn't sure if we'd be getting be able to get really any, which uh, is so hard with the scheduling this year. Um, you know, every team's doing things a little bit differently. Uh, some some leagues, you know, are saying no outside games. Um, you know, and then the schedules, you know, based on teams and, and where they're at, it filled up pretty quickly. Uh, so we feel very fortunate that we were able to get those uh, five NCAA Division One games. We also had a number of NCAA Division Three opponents, uh, probably more than you'd have on a typical year, but to allow our players to play against some of those, um, you know, older players, which is a big part of playing those uh, NCAA games, you know. Um, 
players here uh, are 2003 birth years. So, uh, you know, they're seniors in high school and, and you're now playing against men. And, and it's a great opportunity for them in terms of their development to be able to play against those older, stronger players. Uh, young men and and so you know we feel very fortunate you know in this year in the circumstances being able to to get the the games that we have been able to play um and i felt very fortunate there that um, uh, coach powers um you know was able to we were able to work together and, and they were uh, open to having us come down there and um what a, i mean what a great place to come down to especially in february <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know to be able to get those two games and so great experience great trip uh very thankful that we were able to make that happen okay so coach um this is the first time i've actually done a lot of uh, some research on the u.s development team as i've tried to focus on on on, on the on the teams that we cover um so just based off your statement the, the, the two questions I have right away are the, just so people can understand, the, the birth year of the team you're currently coaching. Those are the guys that will make up, not all obviously, but a lot of these kids are the ones that will make up the world junior team, not in December of 21, but December of 22, correct? Yeah, so these we'll have players uh, on our team. They'll, they'll be eligible, yes, right. uh, for, for for the next World Juniors this year. Um, so we'll play, we'll compete in the uh, IIHF Under 18 World Championships, which is different right. than the World Juniors, which is under 20. Okay, so that's so it's two years from now, right? Yeah, December twenty two. Uh, starting in uh, yeah the. the December of 21, our players will be eligible. There was players on this year's World Junior Team um, that, you know, were playing for the National Team Development Program a year ago. Okay. Um, the other question that, that came to my head immediately is, you said that you and Adam Nightingale rotate. Is there a hockey reason for that? Or did they just decide to this way everybody's exposed to all the coaching or – is there a specific reason for that? You stay with your birth year. Yeah. So okay. you stay, you're staying, uh, the coaching staff will stay with their team for two years. Um, so now while we're coaching this year's uh, team, um, you know, we'll also, and we have been in conversations with our player personnel in regards to the players that are being uh, evaluated for next year's team. So next year, uh, myself and my staff, we will be coaching um, uh, the birth year is the 2005s, um, so that'll be that, that that birth year will make up uh, the national team development programs under 17 team, and then I'll stay with that birth year for two years. Okay. So, so Dan, I want to ask you. Uh, you talked about the difference between men and boys, if you will, uh, in this competition level. But when you come up against a team like Arizona State, and and you know uh, they had a, a rough couple of weeks ago uh, at Minnesota. They were uh, a little beaten up. They were happy to be home and relaxed. How do you coach or do you coach any differently against a team that you know is trying to prove themselves or is that something you guys are up against all the time? I personally, I thought it was, I mean, what a great, you know, for our guys, uh, what a great test, you know, like, uh, I think there's, you know, you're going in, you, you knew, we knew we were going to get hard games. We knew it. Uh, 
number one, uh, you know, just knowing the program, uh, you know, Coach Powers and his staff, the way they coach, the players that they have. I, I think on any given day, you know, even if they've been coming off two big wins and they've been at home all year, I think we were going to get really good games. I, I, I think we were going to get a team who's going to come out. They're going to play hard. I think that's that's been built into the uh, to the culture there. Uh, but I think, you know, for us as a staff, we were looking at it as, uh, you know, the we knew we knew the results were uh, on paper there against Minnesota. Uh, I, we also knew, um, you know, full well that that was a, a very, I think, depleted team there for ASU in those games in terms of the injuries that they had. Um, nevertheless, you know that they're going to be pretty angry going into our game. Uh, <laughs> and we also knew that, you know, I told our guys, you know, you've got a proud group of seniors there that have helped, you know, build build this program up that are only getting two home games this season. Uh, they're going to be taking this really serious. And, and that's what we expected. I got what we got, too. Um, so it's it, it was no surprise I for me as the head coach here. Uh, you know, I loved what we were going into. Uh, loved the fact that we knew we were going to be getting, you know, some really good competition. Uh, felt very thankful that we were getting to go in there. Uh, I think the one thing I probably didn't share with my players was I looked at those. Uh, I looked back at the last couple of years for ASU's home record. I was like, well, uh, it's kind of a scary <laughs> stat. I don't want to bring this one up. <laughs> now it's going to be the guys that go out there and play. I mean, the home record. ASU had been great over the last couple of years, and uh, so it was it was fun to go in there and, and to be able to you know get an opportunity to compete in that building, especially given this year in the circumstances leading up to it. Dan, I know the uh, the players at ASU are particularly proud to play uh, at Oceanside. They they take it as kind of a, a badge of honor that building. They're going to be going to a new building. And I had a chance to, or Paul and I both did, on Tuesday night to visit with uh, Ty Murchison. And uh, first of all, what a class act he is and how, how well-spoken he is as well. But we asked him uh, a little bit about that. He said he hadn't seen Oceanside in person. When he came on his recruiting trip, trip, he didn't go to Oceanside. And, and he said Coach Powers also told him that if the guy started to push him around a little bit, that uh, he should push right back and, and not uh, take anything from him. Uh, is that kind of what you saw from Ty this weekend? Yeah. He, he was so excited. He was the first guy I told um, when we, we got it on the schedule. I got it right on the phone with uh, Coach Powers, and he was, I was having lunch. Uh, you know, got the guys all spread out when they have lunch. They <laughs> social distancing and everything. So he was spread away from everybody else, and he's, you know, got a, he had, I think he had like an ASU hat on. So <laughs> uh, he just walked up to him. I was like, I like the hat ties. I asked, yeah, thanks. I was like, we should go play there. He's like, yeah, that'd be great. I was like, all right, done. Let's go. <laughs> like, like, you know, you couldn't tell if I was being serious or not, especially as a head coach. Players never know if I'm being serious. Yeah, you know? yeah, but he's like, really? I was like, yeah, let's do it. Let's go. He's like, yeah, that'd be awesome. I was like, all right, I'm telling you, it's done. And still, no idea if I'm joking or not. And I told the other guys, and then he knew I was serious. He was like, we're going to ask you. <laughs> it was a look of shock on his face uh, when I told him. But it's uh, yeah. But again, I just can't speak highly enough of uh, Coach Powers and his staff, and you know, just the the willingness to to be able to put this together. And as you know, you you put together a game like this too. There's so many people that are involved, especially a year like this with all the protocols and the testing and all the work that the trainers have to uh, put into it. And so, uh, you know, just from everybody that was involved from the ASU standpoint, it was just it was fantastic to work with it put it together and get these 
uh, games up and running. Uh, Coach, you've had a chance, obviously, to, to, to be behind the bench with him. Uh, you have two players on your roster that uh, are committed in different ways to ASU. Can you give us a little bit of a scouting report uh, first on Ty and, and what, what you think his strengths and weaknesses are? And the same thing with uh, Matt Romer, if you can, uh, who is who, who at this point is verbally committed, uh, although uh, we don't know if he signed a letter yet. Um, and we don't ask the coach that because we don't like to get anybody in NCAA any trouble. So um, <laughs> can you give us a, a quickie scouting report on those two guys? Yeah, uh, I'll start with Ty. Uh, Ty is uh, he's a you know really skilled, uh, smooth skating two way defenseman. Uh, you know he's I uh, guess starting with you know him as a person. You know he's a yeah, off the ice he's probably one of the you know happiest happy go lucky guys you're gonna find. He's always got a smile on his face. He's just got that contagious personality. Uh, you know he's he's a California kid and off the ice you know he. he because he kind of seems like what you would think of a California kid, just laid back and always happy. And then when the puck drops, he just turns to switch. And, and he's a really competitive player. Uh, you know, he's got some, you know, he's not going to back down from anybody. He's He, he uses his, you know, his skating and grit. It's a good combination that he has to take away time and space to be hard to play against. Uh, but he's got the skating and the skill where he can be, and he is involved in the offense as well. Um, so he's a guy that can, you know, I think do a lot of different things. And I think he's going to be a guy that will push to play in a lot of different roles there at ASU. Uh, but he's, you know, he's, he's obviously a guy who's, um, you know, had a lot of success in this game leading up and, and being here now. And, uh, you know, he's, he's a contributor at both ends of the ice. And then, uh, and then Matt Rollner. So Matt, uh, for clarity, he joined us for these weekends games. Uh, okay. So where we have, as I mentioned before, we have a, a player personnel staff and really a department. There's also a number of scouts that are out there that are watching games. And so when we get into a situation where you know we need uh, you know players to come in just for roster reasons which on any given year you'll have injuries and you'll need players to to bring in um you know when we have a, you know, games like this that are you know ncaa games you know there's a wide variety of different players you know u.s born players that we may be able to choose from and so i'll go to our player personnel let them know that you know we're gonna be short uh, due to injuries, which we were this past weekend, and they'll let me know that they'll find you know communicate with coaches uh, and communicate with players and their families, and, and we'll bring players in. So that was a guy that our player personnel uh, staff felt felt strongly about. He's playing in the North American Hockey League right now, and uh, and having a real strong season. You know, and for him it was. I think number one, we felt like he was a player that could come in and, and, and could help us. And, you know, his first and foremost, he's did, you know, all, all the, the character uh, pieces checked off that he's a great guy and just a good, really good person, hardworking player. And he'd be able to come in and fit in well with the group. And then on the ice, we thought he'd be a player that would be able to help us as well. And then the, the bonus there is that he's an ASU commit. Uh, you know, not necessarily going to be the first thing that we uh, look for, but 
you know, right. balls are equal, and you got a guy who, you know, you got an opportunity to bring in a player like that and give him a, you know, not just a great experience in terms of putting on that USA jersey, but also getting an opportunity to go in and, and compete. Uh, you know, at the school that he's gonna uh, is committed to, it's it's just a, it's a huge bonus. And so it, it came up earlier in the year. Uh, when we went out to Air Force and we brought with us uh, an Air Force committed player and so this opportunity was there and that like I said with, with Matt I think it was the character piece checked off the hockey piece checked off and then you also got that bonus there that he's an answer uh, and also on uh, the roster that that at least is, is on the website uh, Sean Barons and Jack Devine committed at least verbally, to Denver, who we also cover. Uh, can you give us a, a, a quickie scouting report on those two guys? Yeah. Well, Devine wasn't, uh, Devine wasn't with us this weekend. Uh, it was two-day injury, so he wasn't able to play right. games. Uh, you know, Jack is a, uh, he's a really skilled, uh, high IQ player. You know, he does a really good job of finding space. Uh, you know, he's got a really good stick. Like, when he, because he's, has that you know, high hockey IQ, can find find those pockets, and you combine that with the really strong stick skills that he has and shot. Um, he's a guy who, you know, anytime whether it's off the rush or in the offensive zone, is a uh, is an offensive threat. And so he's been, you know, it, we look forward to his return. Uh, you know, coming back with us here hopefully uh, soon. Uh, you know, he was having a, having a strong season, and he's also a guy that really really works hard. Uh, and because of that work ethic there that, that he has, he's a he's a guy that's that's helped us out and contributed at both ends of the ice. But uh, you know, really really smart in terms of just identifying space and reading plays and anticipation. Uh, and then you combine that there with just the skill set that he has and the shot. Uh, you know, he's going to be a guy that I think will uh, do great there at Denver. And then Sean is a, uh, you know, he, he's a guy that does really everything for us, uh, plays in all situations, uh, uh, power play, penalty kill, uh, you know, ton, a lot of minutes there, five on five, all situations, you know, uh, up a goal, down a goal. Uh, he's probably on the ice. And, uh, you know, really, really good skater, uh, really smooth on his edges, great escape ability, uh, hockey sets, you know, he's, he, he's not, uh, you know, the biggest, he's not small, but he's not the biggest defenseman. He's not that big six foot five, six foot six defenseman, but, uh, I don't think anybody's told him that yet because of the way he, <laughs> just, like, he goes out there, like he can, every game or two, like he, he pops a guy hard, like he can, he can hit and he's, um, I said he doesn't. He, he he plays like he's you know six one. <laughs> uh, but his his first when he gets that first touch on a puck for a breakout or a neutral zone counter or whatever it might be, that first touch is is excellent. Like he just he knows where he's going with it. Um, he's got the ability to kind of manipulate uh, the opponent a little bit to make them think he's going one way and then going a different way. Uh, yeah, he's just, you know, can't speak highly enough about him. He's, he's having a great year for us. He's a tremendous player in person. And Dan, um, and you I also... Have more questions, oh, Scott, before I, yeah, I go ahead. let you sneak back in. Um, and this is a player that, that's not listed as going anywhere at the moment. But uh, the, the guy I saw that was the best player on the ice all weekend long was Gibson Homer. 
How is somebody not put a full court press on this kid? He had a great weekend, didn't he? Oh, my Lord. Yeah. Well, um, no, I mean, without giving anything away, I mean, uh, that was the most unexpected thing to me all weekend. Is he was just lights out. I mean, holy smokes. Uh, I mean, is it? I know he's a big kid, but it's got to be more than that, right? Well, I, I think sometimes, you know, there is definitely more than him just being big. He's not, you know, I don't think a guy's going to get here, um, you know, to the uh, national team, but um, the program just by being big, you know, you, you do you have to have more than that for any any of the three positions. Um, I, I thought he was great. I thought he had a, I thought he had a great weekend. He's been playing really well for us. Um, you know, he's yeah. I think to give some credit to uh, Dave Osand, who is our uh, uh, national goaltending coach and slash assistant coach for both both uh, <laughs> both the NTP. <laughs> U17 and U18 team. He works with uh, he works with the goalies throughout our program, and then also he's uh, involved in the goaltending just on the national stage. Uh, but he's working with them on a daily basis, and and I think uh, uh, Gibby's done a great job this year in terms of just just working on some of the details of the game. And uh, I've seen a you know a, he, he was good when I came in. I think he's just made a lot of progress as the years gone on. Uh, him and Caden Roberto, who is the other. Uh, Goaltender who's not with us this, uh, this weekend, uh, and therefore wasn't playing any um, one of the two games. But uh, you know, um, Homer's just—he's he, he's been working hard at his game, and I think it's uh, that hard work and, and you know paying attention to the details that him and uh, Coach Lasan have been working on have really been paying off. So it was great to see him kind of get that opportunity to go in there and play back-to-back games like that and, and do. Uh, you know, I think really well in both games. Okay, I got a quick comment for you, Coach, and then I'm going to have you talk about uh, a guy that's currently at ASU that you are familiar with. But uh, when you mentioned Ty Murchison, I was sitting on the glass at the end line, and I clicked my uh, camera on, and I did like a, I don't know, 30, 40 second. I called it the, the Ty cam or the Merch cam. Um, and in that 30 or 40 second clip, I saw him do four things that uh, you just don't see in every defenseman. One of them was getting hit by his uh, former captain, Johnny Walker. So I want to lead into that. Um, you coached Johnny Walker in, uh, in USHL Chicago and got a championship there. So tell us your thoughts on Johnny. And did you think he was going to be uh, the nation's leading goal scorer, active goal scorer? Yeah, it's not a surprise. Um, and Johnny is he's one of my all-time favorites that I've coached. Uh, you know, he's... Uh, yeah, you know, I think you know when I coached him in Chicago, it wasn't. Uh, <laughs> he was a guy who had you know just been working his way through junior hockey. He was in the North American League. Um, I actually got him the first time we had drafted him my first year in Chicago and um, got him. And uh, we called him up when I was in my first year in Chicago. Uh, he's playing in the North American League, and, and there was a during. Break that the USHL has for the World Junior A Challenge. A number of when players lead your team to go play in that event, you have basically an opportunity if there's an agreement with the other teams to bring in players from a different league, uh, like the North American Hockey League. And so uh, we brought Johnny in. He was having a good year, even though we hadn't kept him on the team. I think maybe in the back of my mind, I always wondered was that a mistake? Uh, and he came in. He did great for us. It was two or three games. I think maybe like three games that he played for us. 
And um, I remember going to our general manager, uh, uh, Ryan Bennett, right, shortly after those games. I said, we, we need to get him here all the time, find a way to get him here. And we weren't able to that year. Um, but we did draft him um, in the first round, actually. After having cut him, we used the first round pick on him again to draft him again. Um, and uh, it was well worth it. Like he had, uh, he had a great year. He was a huge part of uh, a championship team that we had in Chicago. It was something that was really special to be a part of. We had kind of come in there, and the, the program had it, uh, made the playoffs, I think, in nine years in a really long time. And, uh, you know, and, and, you know, we had a, a great group of guys. And he, he played a major, major role in that. Uh, but just to see his 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 progress, like over the years, and, and the dedication that he put in, um, I, I was hard on him in Chicago. <laughs> you know, but he, you know, at, at the end, he just he put in all the work. He did all the things that he needed to do at the time. Like every player's got different things that they need to be doing and focusing on that might be a little bit different from others. Some guys they got to just put in even more work and. He put it in, and um, you know, I've been just thrilled um, to be able to see all of his hard work pay off, and um, you know, the progress that he's been able to, you know, continue to, to be on uh, the path that he's been able to continue to be on throughout his his college career. You know, I mean, you look at the numbers that he's put up. I mean, I think it's I remember looking at the line charts there. It's uh, you know over. Um, think about a point a game, you know, or however 60, six, over 60 goals in college hockey. It, it's, it's crazy, but it's not a surprise, you know, you, just with his shot. And, um, he's a guy you don't bet against. You don't bet against somebody like him, you know, so you ask the question, am I surprised? Like, you can't say no when you, when you know him and kind of, you know, what he brings, not just on the ice, but also to a locker room. Um, you know, you don't bet against a guy like that. Dan Paul and I uh, visited with him a little while back, about a month ago, I guess, and uh, and we joked with him. We said, the NCAA is given an extra year. Are you considering it? He said, absolutely. If they'll take a 55-year-old uh, college hockey player, I'll be there. Johnny being Johnny, I'll give you a little inside secret. His dad told me once that, uh, he's a leopard, and a leopard will never change his spots. So <laughs> you probably can fulfill that one as well. Um, one final one for me. I, I, I couldn't. I couldn't make eye contact. I got to say, what was that? I told him, you know, I'll talk to you afterwards. No eye contact. Did you need eye contact? Did you just need ear contact? Usually, he has something to say once in a while during a game. Dan, final one for me, and then I'll let Paul uh, end it uh, with you today so we can let you go. I know you got uh, better things to do than probably sitting here chatting with us, but uh, we thank you for your time. I just want to uh, throw a comment out there and have you uh, speak on it, but um, I made a comment on our social media feed this week, and I said, Team USA, uh, your team, was uh, a well-oiled machine. I mean, I watched little things like uh, transitions. I looked uh, – line changes and to see kids in the uh, 2003 birth year 
be able to do that with such ease. I mean, I watch college and professional hockey all over and uh, the entire weekend, you guys were just a well-oiled machine. So tell us how that starts and uh, how you get to be that refined. Oh, I, I really appreciate the, the comment. I mean, all the credit goes to the players here that, you know, they, uh, they worked hard this year to, to buy into that. I, I, I think for us as a staff here, like we want to prepare these players for the next level. Like we want to, we don't want to just let them, you know, play the game to get away with and, and build in bad habits that they could have. Maybe, maybe at certain times during the year, they could get away with it and still win hockey games, but they're not playing the right way. We want them to play the right way. And, you know, I think you know, myself, uh, for me personally, I've been extremely, extremely fortunate and blessed in this game in regards to the different levels that I've been able to work at, uh, you know, from, you know, working in college hockey and junior hockey and professional hockey and, and the players and coaches that I've been able to, to work with. It's been able, those those great opportunities that I've had, they've been able to help me see firsthand, you know, the, the, the habits and the details that you need to be successful at, at higher levels. And so we want to make sure that we're helping to build those in now. And so we want those those habits and those details to be next level habits and details, the things that are going to be important because it's such a fine line between winning and losing at, at higher levels, whether it be college hockey or we want to be preparing these players, you know, for, for that college, but also for uh, international play for the United States, and, you know, and world juniors, and maybe someday for these guys, uh, for world men's and maybe even as Olympians. Um, and then we want to be preparing guys so they're able to continue to work towards their full potential. Hopefully that is playing professional hockey and playing professionally in the NHL. Um, but those are the types of things like, you know, we want to be teaching them and making sure that they're uh, developing into their game, that they understand that some of those, you know, it's not just, you know, it, 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 it's not just the big stuff. It's also those little details that you need to be able to have. And, um, you know, you can, you can, say these things, but it's on the players to, to, to really buy in. And I think our guys have been working hard at them and they've uh, a credit to them, um, you know, to get a compliment like that from somebody that came in and watched our game. Um, you know, as a coach, that's what you want to hear, but it's also, it's a credit to the players for, for what they're doing and the time that they're putting into it. Uh, yeah. One last question for me, coach. I mean, you were coaching in the national hockey league and for most people that's, that's the, the the peak of the mountain. That's the, the top of the hill, uh, if you don't mind me using the cliches there. Um, were you expecting or were uh, – how, how did you end up coaching the U.S. development team? Or how, what, what, what was that, that, uh, that, that sort of process like? And, and were, did it come to you out of the blue, or, or how did that end up working? Oh, it was good timing, uh, fortunate timing. You know, we were, uh, I was, so I was hired by Peter Laviolette and, uh, and David Boyle uh, with Nashville after my second year in, uh, in Chicago. And I didn't have a relationship with either guy before, but um, just things worked out where uh, that opportunity presented itself. And uh, I was with uh, uh Peter Laviolette for oh, two and a half years, and there was a coaching change uh, a little over a year ago there in Nashville where Peter Laviolette and Kevin McCarthy uh, right. weren't there anymore. And, uh, I was, uh, you know, 
So I stayed on through the end of my contract, which expired uh, at the end of that uh, season. And new coaching okay, with John Hines, so I worked under him for that half a season and then in the bubble in Edmonton. And then, uh, you know, my contract was up and as expected. Uh, you know, you were working and hired by a different head coach. Right. Uh, was expecting that, you know, we'd probably be looking for um, a different opportunity after that year. Um, and so the timing, you know, was, was short. I, mean, I really haven't had a break. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, I appreciate your time. Uh, I will leave it on this note. Uh, as I said, you uh, you coach a well-oiled machine in that program. Uh, it's very fun to watch. It's no surprise that the record they have, and uh, it's no surprise also that there are a lot of college logos behind nearly everybody on that roster. As uh, as Paul mentioned, I think just your goalies are the only ones that at least don't have commits right now. So congratulations on a job well done. Thanks for taking some time on Super Bowl Sunday to visit with us. Uh, you got a prediction today? Is it, uh, is it going to be Kansas City or Tampa Bay? Uh, I don't know how you got against Tom Brady. I'm from the Boston area. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I just totally get it. Speaking of... Speaking of a well-oiled machine at 43, he's still moving along. So 
Well, uh, stay warm. Stay, uh, stay doing what you're doing up there. Uh, we appreciate your time. That's Dan Muse with the uh, U.S. Under-18 national team that just played at Arizona State. Paul and I will take a quick break, and we'll be back in about three minutes to uh, talk a little more college hockey with you. Thanks, Coach. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. All right, that was Dan Muse, the head coach at the uh, under-18 U.S. National Team Development Program in Michigan. We were thrilled to have him on. Paul and I are taking a quick break, and we will be right back with you.
can't wait to get to Las Vegas and check out the fortress. Going to see the Golden Knights? No. Stopping at Jesse Ray's barbecue for lunch. Oh, that fortress. That combination of brisket, hot links, fries, mac and cheese, surrounded by offensive ribs? I'm in. Exactly. Jesse Ray's Barbecue, located at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard, right behind the Mandalay Bay Hotel. Check out their pulled pork, smoked chicken, or the fall off the bone baby back ribs. Jesse Ray's Barbecue has been voted the best barbecue in Las Vegas two years running. So whether it's a midday meal or a pregame feast, head to Jesse Ray's Barbecue for all their award-winning tastes. All right, we're back. College Hockey Southwest Live. Scott Strandy joining you from beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada tonight. Paul Hornstein, as always, my co-host out on beautiful Long Island, New York. Um, Paul, uh, as I always do, I want you to give us a little breakdown on what you thought of our guest, Dan Muse. Uh, always entertaining and uh, also very, very knowledgeable. So, so Paul, take it away and uh, give us your breakdown. Well, I love it because I like it when I get information that 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 I that I don't know. Like I was not aware of the the fact that they rotate the coaches. Okay, I mean, when he said it, my my eyebrow got raised. But then when I when he explained why, I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. I, it's kind of like a, a schools do with guidance counselors. They start people in as freshmen with one guidance counselor, and it goes all the way through. Uh, you know, until they graduate. Um, I, there, I knew there had to be an explanation about uh, how Matt Romer uh, ended up playing this weekend uh, because I know when I looked earlier in the week, he was not on the roster. And I'm like, wait a second, what's going on here? You know? Um, and, 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 and so it cleared up a mystery that we had. I mean, uh, listen, you know, it's... It, he gets a chance to coach the top of the top. And, you know, if you've ever coached, you know that sometimes you have to start way at the beginning. Okay? And the great thing about when you have players at that level, you don't really have to start at the beginning. You know, you're not questioning whether you know what you got, you know what you got, and like you said, his job's he's got a he's got the rare job where winning doesn't matter. Yeah, he he's got the job where development is uh is the top notch, but don't say winning doesn't matter because well, I, I I I I win yeah I, I every mean every time. Let me, you're right, and 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 I didn't mean to have it come across that way. Yeah, I uh, I know what you meant. I know what you meant. I'm just it, you know, winning just, is not I'm just job one. Your cage. I know <laughs> I know, I know. Winning is not job one. You Good want point. the players to win because you want them to understand what it takes to win. But yeah, yeah, he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to worry about a four-game losing streak. About <laughs> and start wondering about. Oh my God, am I getting fired because we've lost four in a row? Okay, so uh, we got a few minutes left just to to talk about a few things. Um, it, it's not in our area, but I have to throw this back out there, Paul. Um, there was a hockey game played again um, in the Big Ten. And right. uh, I'm going to take it real slow. This one was played in Minneapolis again, but Wisconsin. Wow, I Badgers can't believe you're throwing eight. something out there that has to do with yeah. Minnesota. That, 
the Wisconsin Badgers eight, Minnesota one. That was Saturday night, folks. Uh, and on Friday night, the score was Wisconsin four, Minnesota one. So let me do the math quickly for you, Paul. That's 12 to two uh, against Minnesota. Um, wow. So everybody that was saying 20 to two against uh, Minnesota and ASU and going like, oh, they don't belong or whatever. Um, hello, this is college hockey in a pandemic year and things don't always go as you planned. So uh, careful well, what you wish for wherever you're at. And major props to Tony Granado. I mean, holy Oh, absolutely. Smokes. That team absolutely. is now in first place in the Big Ten. Yeah. Holy Well, is I there mean, any surprise? Just look at that roster, Paul. Oh, I, I, I get it. I, 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 I get it. You know, um, there are probably people that expected it to happen last year, and it really didn't. Um, and, you know, just like other teams, they were missing a few guys uh, early in the season. But holy smokes, uh, <laughs> that, that, that team – you know, it's it's almost like the the two games they lost to ASU were a wake up call, right? <laughs> what about the two games that they beat ASU? Were those a wake well, up call yeah, too? But, because they felt dead asleep. Uh, no, you're talking Wisconsin. I'm talking about Minnesota right now. Oh, but, Minnesota. Uh, no, see, I've just well, no, I'm I talking know what you're about saying. how Minnesota Wisconsin, has, yeah. uh, you know, how Wisconsin is. They they they, they yeah. lost those two games to ASU, and ever since then, basically. Um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. They've won nine out of their last eleven games uh, <laughs> to shoot to the top of the Big Ten standings, uh, yeah. and that includes another win over Minnesota uh, at the beginning of that streak. So yes. uh, they've beaten Minnesota three out of four times this year, and two of the and the two games this weekend weren't even close. And and Minnesota's got five losses on the year, and three of them came to Wisconsin. Yeah, so, I mean. <laughs> okay, <laughs> we can get into that all day long. We don't have that much time, but no. I want to quickly recap uh, what you saw uh, on a stream and what I saw in person this weekend with Arizona State. Um, I expected both games the way they were, and I'll tell you why that, Paul, why that was, Paul. Um, I, I thought ASU was recovering, and, and Friday night they, they – they ended the first period with a 3-3 tie, and everything looked loosey-goosey for both teams. But uh, I expected it from ASU because they were trying to get everything back, right? I mean, you come off of injuries, illnesses, uh, travel. You come back, and that first game back, things just aren't tight. Plus, your head coach is at home watching it on the stream, probably with you. Oh, uh, he will. I know. Yeah, you guys well, are both was... sitting there watching. Yeah, okay, but, yeah. But anyway, so you don't coach have your head smart. coach. Coach is smart. He don't let me anywhere near his house, but that's <laughs> – I thought maybe he was at your house, but okay. Um, nice uh, so anyway, <laughs> so anyway, that's what I expected Friday night. I didn't really think it would be six three. I thought it may be more like I don't know four four three or maybe four well, four something like that. This but is anyway. Well, so quick. Hold on a second. All right. Hold on, and you can speak your piece. Uh, well, no, you just, sat- just wanted to do this as long as we're taking it apart one okay. game at a time okay. here. Okay, um, take it apart. You know. Uh, yeah. Maybe it took them a game to get their legs under them completely because uh, most of them hadn't played in a while or at least hadn't played healthy for a while. Uh, but I also think that uh, – and we didn't really – and we didn't get a chance to speak to the coach after the game, but they were definitely loosey-goosey in their own end. Um, and Gibson Homer, it, it, like I said, he, he, he struggled a little bit in the first period just like Cole Brady did, but he shut them down. 
especially in the second period when ASU had a lot of good opportunities to, you know, either make it 4-4 or take the lead at that at some point when it was 3-3 and so forth and so on. And, and, and by the third period, uh, I, I thought they were a little gassed. And, and, and you add that to the fact that they're playing against a bunch of guys that are going to be top draft picks. And and and, and already have it. and already have colleges uh, by their name as like yeah. So talk about NHL logos. Well, these guys all right. have college logos right next and, to their you know, names, these, and, is, and they're seventeen right. and eighteen years old. Right. So um, that's what I thought about Friday's game. Uh, I, I I really thought that uh, uh, like I said, they 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 ran out of gas a little bit eventually, but. Um, they were shut down in the second period by Gibson. Uh, by yeah, Gibson and they couldn't Homer. get any momentum back, you know. Right. Uh, and, uh, okay, so let's jump to Saturday night. Saturday night, uh, I had a feeling that it was going to be a different style of game. And I thought Arizona State, the, the score ended up being 3-2-1. or 2-1. Two 2-1. Two 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 but um, a couple of things that I saw right at the get-go. Arizona State made a point of coming out and getting that first goal early within the first couple of minutes of the game. Uh, a really nice snipe by a guy that needs to snipe more, uh, Demetrius Kumanzi. So um, that was the way they started the game. And then from that point, they just played solid hockey for the next uh, 58 minutes because they gave uh, Team USA um, not many opportunities, especially no. especially after Dom Garcia got that big goal. Well, we'll get um, into that in a second. But yeah. Go ahead. When, when Dom got that big goal and it was 2-1, man, you could just see – the level of intensity ratcheted up on that USA bench. I was only probably 30 feet from that bench, and uh, it, it, it ratcheted up. And before you talk ASU again more time, I want to throw this out because I think it's worth mentioning. I have watched literally hundreds of hockey games at every level. I watched an AHL game last night, and nothing against Henderson or, or the Ontario Reign, but they were not as smooth coming on and off their bench as Team USA was in two games that I watched them. And I'm dead serious on that. That team, when they changed lines, they did it like a marching band. It was that precise. Okay, tell me well, about uh, ASU. Well, listen, I mean, it was a. It, first of all, I thought both games this weekend, uh, or if you want to call Thursday part of the weekend, that's fine. Or not, <laughs> Everything's whatever. a weekend now, Paul. Everything. Yeah, whatever. Um, I thought those games were a lot more chippy and a lot more physical than I thought they would be. Hmm, that's interesting because I thought that was the way it was going to be played. I was I was proud of the guys for not doing a whole lot of stuff after the whistle, though. I mean, it was physical and it was tight. And it yeah, was listen, it was push, nothing like didn't Minnesota. Drop penalties. No, it was it was nothing like Minnesota State and Bowling Green. But um, <laughs> okay, um, that's another topic for another. Yeah, day. yeah, yeah. But that's um, okay. So so so, so I think the games were a lot more physical and a little more chippy. Than I thought they would be. Not necessarily right. chippy in a dirty, right, sneaky way, it's but still, just yeah, you know, hockey. Yeah, and you know, except for one cross check that I happened to get on videotape. That was yeah. Well, we'll talk about. We can talk about that on Tuesday because <laughs> yeah, right. maybe we get we Jess Myers on for that too because uh, you know the pro- I guess it just wasn't cl- far, far enough away from the boards for it to be called. Um, and then on Saturday... It was inside the dots, Paul. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Um, you know, definitely too close to the wall. Um, yeah. Uh, and then on, on, on Friday night, 
ASU played a tremendously solid defensive game. Yes. Okay. Uh, the first two periods, they pretty much shut down the development team. Uh, and when when you look at the box score at the end of the game, I, I mean, did they get that many shots in the last five minutes after they went down two nothing? I, I guess they must have. Yeah, they did. They, because they were, it certainly, it they certainly were throwing everything they had. It certainly didn't seem to that point that they were catching ASU in the shots on goal department. Because after two periods, ASU would outshot them like twenty to twelve after the first couple of periods. So, um, you know, you had that going on, and then uh, you know it was one nothing game for for a majority of the game, and then uh, Dom Garcia gets that goal uh, as he drives to the net. Uh, was it a highlight real goal? No, okay. it was for me. I was right. Well, you were right there. I mean, uh, but no, and, and I, I, and I said this to, to the coach after the game and I said, you know, coach, you guys have scored a lot of big goals in the last few years, overtime winners, late game winners, uh, et cetera. And I said, I don't think in the five years you guys have been a D one program that I've seen a celebration of that kind of intensity <laughs> after somebody scored a goal. Yeah. And he pretty much agreed with you. He goes, it, it's just, it, you know, it's just fitting. That, is that when he brought out the hockey gods? I don't. I don't. I don't <laughs> you know me. I don't. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, it, let me let me tell you about that one. Uh, I had the clip, as you'll see, if you go to our uh, anywhere on social media and search for us at ISMSW, you'll find it. But uh, that clip. One thing that I noticed was the guy who started the play in the other end of the ice, knocking the puck off the uh, opposing player's stick, was Dom Garcia. And he got it loose for for PJ Morocco, and PJ took it down the uh, the right wing and uh, threw it towards the net. And uh, and that and Dom just went from his transition a hundred miles an hour down. I'll tell you, Paul, the guy that I thought was the player of the weekend, if you want to call it that was Dom Garcia. I thought he was the best player on ASU's team on, on Thursday night, and I thought he was equally as good as anybody else on the ice on Friday night, and he was rewarded with a goal that was a big thing for him. I don't know what the future holds for Dom. I, I spoke with his father after the game a little bit, and um, you know, Dom's got some options. He may right. come back for uh, you know to, to get a master's. Right. He may be a player coach. He may be a player. All that's up in the air right now, but whatever. If ASU can keep him around for one more year in any capacity, by all means, do it. That's my, yeah. uh, well, that's my I mean, soapbox opinion. Well, listen, and, and the coach is as much said so after the game um, that that he, you know, he's not 100% sure what's going to happen with Dom. He thinks that might be his last home game. I don't know. Um, you know, like you said, he spoke to his father and he's got all kinds of decisions to make. Um, but you know, if it was, if that was the case, um, uh, you just see, and you watch the video clips in the locker room after the game. And, um, he, if there was, if, 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 if they were happier for, if they could have been happier for anybody else on that roster, I, I, I don't have any idea who it could have been. I, I really yep. don't. I mean, 
Totally, totally agree with you. So uh, as we end things today, we're running out of time as usual. Um, uh, just throw out there real quickly that Michigan State is the next opponent for Arizona State. Uh, yep. That comes up on the 13th and 14th of February in East Lansing. Then they, 14th, 14th, uh, they follow yeah. that one up, yep, with uh, a match at uh, Penn State, two-game series against uh, Penn State at Pagula in uh, University left. Park. Yep, and then they go to Michigan where they get to uh, go back on Yost Ice for two games on the 25th and 26th of February, and then they will close out the regular season uh, at the uh, Value City Arena in Columbus, Ohio, against the Ohio State Buckeyes. As I have mentioned to you in nauseam, and you're sick of me hearing it, uh, mm-hmm. I believe ASU is going to go on some sort of a run. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be enough to make an NCAA tournament, but uh, if you do the math and they were to go 8 no. That would give them a 500 record yeah. across the board and would be uh, worthy of any NCAA tournament bid anywhere in the country because when you look at the season, the schedule, the logistics, and the record, if they should finish 13-13-2, by all means, they are an NCAA tournament team in my book, and that's just not a homer opinion. Okay. Well, by the way, so the quickly. 14th and the 15th, by the way, is a Sunday and a Monday. I thought it says 13-14 on the schedule. but that, Well, that right now, or? well, let's put it this way. I'm looking at one of the main college hockey websites. Yeah, me too. And, and it says 14-15, which would be okay. a Sunday, Monday. Okay, this one says 13-14. So, okay. Well, you know, here's um, what we'll do. Um, we'll wake listen. up in the morning and check. <laughs> I, that, well, you can do that too. I have no problems with that. You're going to have to do that every day anyway. So, um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, and, and just quickly with the other teams, uh, uh, poor Frank territory and the Air Force Falcons got oh to play a few more Lord. games, and then what happened, Paul? Uh, oops, can't play up there in upstate New York because uh, uh, more virus. Yeah, no, I uh, got a headache. Frank must be out of his mind. I can't even imagine. By yeah. the way, the ASU website says Sunday, Monday too. So just okay, okay. So then the one that I'm and looking we know at Mitch is not. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, so, anyway, that's when Arizona will play again. Arizona State will play again. And uh, when we talk, um, the uh, Denver Pioneers, they split with oh, Omaha. My Lord. Oh, uh, I know we could go Lord. on for hours on that one too. But well, uh, here's here's what I'll say because I don't want to. I don't want to blow them out. I don't want to. I watched those two games this weekend, and when and and I'm watching the game. And I'm saying, ah, it looks like Denver kind of has righted the ship because they were by they were the definitely the better team on 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 Friday night, and you know that gave them a, a, a two game winning streak. And and I'm watching the game on, on Saturday night, and it was nice and easy because I didn't have to watch on the computer because it was on CBS. Um, <laughs> they're up four to two, and I'm like. Uh, it looks like Denver has turned the corner. It looks like Denver's going to start making their run here because winning that game would have given them three out of the last four and, you know, kind of jump-started them. Because they were, they were dominant in that game last night. You know, at one point they had outshot Omaha like 29-12. to 12. Yeah, and I, you know, the guy that got the last goal for uh, Denver, you know, Bobby the Blur Brink, uh, gave him a four-two no. lead, and then and then no. Omaha came storm. No. Oh, something wrong? No, I missed. Forget something? to stop. Yeah, you you know exactly what I'm talking about. 
Anyway, anyway, Omaha came back to get two to tie it in the third and then a game winner in overtime by Tyler Weiss. So uh, Denver is still trying to put it together. They still have a little more time because Uh, they don't uh, have a lot of time, though. uh, Well, they got a tournament if they play it. Well, Um, (laughs) yeah, I mean, if and that's when they play their very best. Yeah, I mean, I get that. I, I totally understand that. But I'm just saying. You know, uh, uh, when you when when you're in a situation like that, uh, you know, the further down you go, the harder it gets, because then you end up playing instead of playing everybody near the middle. Now you have to go on a run that so you have to beat Duluth, you have to beat North Dakota, uh, the way St. Cloud is playing. Now you have to beat St. Cloud. I mean, you know, hey, you know, at some point it comes back to bite you in the tuchus. If you're not, <laughs> you know, so yeah. I mean, uh, you you, you got to start. Tur- I mean, you know, and yeah, I'm you got to you got to turn it around. Yeah, I get yeah, you. At some point, you. at some point, you're either going to figure out it's not your season, or or you're going to make the run. And right now, I don't. I like I said, I thought this one. I th- I thought this weekend the way they were playing, especially. Through the first five plus periods this weekend, I, I go okay. Here's it. Here it comes, um, and it didn't happen. Well, I'll tell you, uh, both Colorado College and Denver get back on the ice uh, NCHC style this weekend, uh, Friday and Saturday games. Colorado College uh, will be traveling to Omaha, and uh, Denver will be traveling to Grand Forks, North Dakota. God bless them in that oh. beautiful weather they're going to be going to. Oh, yeah. uh, I hope they have a very nice warm bus and some big, heavy uh, Denver University parkas because they will need them. Uh, it's frigid up there right now. So. I can't imagine. Uh, <laughs> and, and anyway, and, and poor Air Force, they're just going to be waiting to get to 13 games, which they have not yet gotten not to. Yet. Uh, not uh, yet. Uh, we're going to have Frank on again real soon and have a chance to visit with him about this ridiculous season. So uh, stay tuned for that one. Um, just, a, just a couple of things real quick. Uh, I'm going to try and find out what the heck was going on at uh, uh, in Mankato this weekend because they almost – I mean, not, not almost. They definitely – you don't have bench-clearing brawls anymore, but um, there was a whole lot of hanky-panky going on at the end of that second game yesterday. I'm going to see if I can find out about that. And uh, we actually had a first uh, in the NCHC this weekend. Uh, this is just one of the things, notes that I wanted to mention. Michael Joyo of Western Michigan okay. becomes the first defenseman in the history of the conference to score a hat trick. Nice. I didn't know that. I didn't either until it happened. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna get on Michael Weissman and find out uh, you know some more information on this. So, uh, yeah. so very good, uh, good congratulations stuff, good research, to good research. I will tell everybody listening that uh, Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly. I'm gonna have a new name for you tomorrow, Paul. You're gonna love it uh, okay. for, the, for the podcast tomorrow. Uh, coming to you again live from Las Vegas as the Henderson Silver Knights play Game Two of their season. Uh, against the make, Ontario do Rain. To, do I have to record something? <laughs> do you? <laughs> I don't know. You tell me. Maybe. Maybe. Okay. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I'm trying okay. to have some fun with it. So uh, we'll we'll look forward to that. That'll be tomorrow night, uh, 7.30 p.m. Mountain Time. Uh, of course, Tuesday night, Paul and I will be back with College Hockey Southwest Weekly. 
And, of course, Wednesday night, uh, Stephen and I will join you with Club Hockey Southwest Weekly. Congratulations, by the way, to Maryville University, our proud sponsor on Wednesday night. They will be hosting the ACHA uh, National Tournament, assuming there's enough teams able to play, or will they just hand the trophy to uh, Minot State because they're the only ones that have been able to play enough games to uh, call it a season. I don't know. Can we, can we talk about it? Can we, can we quickly bring up? No, nah, it's just rumors. We'll talk about that on Tuesday. Uh, or what? About the new team coming into the NCAA hockey in two years? Yeah, like I said, but there's nothing official, so we'll just talk about it on Tuesday when there's, yeah, no, it, when there's no games to talk about. So it, it, It's coming. It's just a yeah, matter okay. of time. It, it'll be official. Whatever. Okay. All right, folks. Thanks uh, for joining us, as always. Uh, thanks to uh, the head coach at the Under-8 Team, uh, U.S. National De- Team Development Program, Dan Muse for joining us. What a great conversation. Paul, take it away, and we'll say good uh, evening from the beautiful, sunny skies of Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, Behind the Masks, College Hockey Southwest Live on the Ice Time Hockey SW.com network has been brought to you by Belford, presenting partner of the Sunday special. Visit Belford.com and explore the 2021 return of the legendary Ford Bronco. Roger Klein's Cancio Tequila, 100% blue agave, is used to make our unique tastes. Go to MexicanMoonshine.com and order any of our three award-winning flavors. Behind the mask, ice, in line, in the net, up the ice. Whatever your hockey needs are, see our three valley locations or BehindTheMask.com. Burrito Express, homemade taste, takeout speed, six East Valley locations. Go to BurritoExpress.com to find the one near you. Buy Verizon Wireless, the 5G coverage America's been waiting for. Jesse Ray's Barbecue in Las Vegas. It's all about the butt. By the NCHC. Subscribe to nchc.tv and catch all of the action from the Conference of College Hockey Champions. Cold beers and cheeseburgers. Sports, craft beer, made-to-order burgers. 12 Valley locations, too, in California. UNLV Hockey. ACHA Division I Hockey, fabulous Las Vegas atmosphere. Caesars Entertainment Resorts, casinos worldwide. It's where the action is, in the resort or in town. College Bar and Grill at 740 South Mill Avenue in Tempe. Pre-game, post-game, during the game, the place to be to be with ASU fans. College Hockey Southwest Live presented by Behind the Mask and all of the IcetimeHockeySW.com podcasts are live on the Podbean app and are available for download at iTunes, the Google Play Store, Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, the iHeartRadio app, and on the TuneIn app. Ask Alexa to turn on your ITHSW podcasts. Behind the Masks, College Hockey Southwest Live, and all of our weekly podcasts are a part of the IcetimeHockeySW.com network. Very well done as usual, my friend. A uh, quick final note here. Matthew Copperwood from ASU is still tied for second in the goal-scoring category in NCAA hockey. He has 12. He will need to step it up, though, because a guy from Wisconsin named Cole Caulfield is uh, running away with things with 17. We'll say goodnight on that note. Uh, Roger Klein and the Peacemakers will give us a little dinero. And, uh, Paul, thanks again for your hard work. Thanks again to Dan Muse with uh, – the under-18 team in the U.S. Development Program, and we'll say good night. Good night.